Hey, Slip Angle listeners, Abe here. Wanted to let everyone know that I'll be traveling to Barber Motorsports Park this weekend to record shows with as many people as I can possibly connect with. We've got about 18 to 20 uh, GLTC drivers at the event, and they're going to be even participating in a GLTC fun race. Uh, But I'll be recording shows, hanging out, and uh, if you hear this message and you find me in the paddock, let me know, and I will give you a free t-shirt. Looking forward to seeing you there. Fields on the show today on his 8.30 p.m. lunch break for the day. <laughs> Hardest working man in Ohio this afternoon. So um, what, uh, what's, what's going on uh, at the shop and how are how are things and how many businesses are you in charge of right now? <laughs> so uh, things are good. Things are uh, are busy. And um, I think we're, we're in that spot that I, I think a lot of people in the motorsports industry hit where uh, January 2nd, the uh, the effects of celebrating the new year have worn off a little bit. We've all kind of looked around, realized the uh, the lack of schedule between us and all the stuff that we got to get done in this year and, and getting hard to it here. So um, yeah, I think that's many industries. That's, uh, that's the problem with, with the holidays is you get this like, you know, either two days off or 10 days off or whatever. And then you're like, ah, that was nice. And then you like go to work and you're like, crap. (laughs) One of the things that's true in both your business, Adam, uh, as well as mine, uh, despite how much time you take off of work, uh, it's not actually a vacation. The work is still there for you when you return. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then if you're dumb and you start multiple companies with your friends, then you've got emails and podcasts to do and yeah. And and then you just worked the few days you were off. So, right. um, but yeah, how's, uh, how's things in Ohio right now? Is the weather pretty good there? It is. We have recovered from the, uh, the, uh, the great cold death of the last, uh, couple of weeks, but, um, did you guys get below yeah. zero? Uh, yeah, we did. We were, um, without wind chill, we were right around zero. And then, you know, obviously the, the wind was a big factor, but we, um, Nasty. The, when that first, when that weather system first rolled in, um, uh, we, uh, we needed to test if, uh, if ABS was working on a car and, uh, we had like this, this perfect golden window before it got too cold, but it had a bunch of snow on the ground and, uh, it uh, it was very very effective testing for ABS. Well. That would be that would indicate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's uh, how's how's building cars and maintaining cars, and what's this current state of the business right now? You've uh, you've been on a couple of shows this year, and you've also talked at the beginning of a bunch of them. So what's uh, what's right. new with you guys? So um, up up until uh, up until this uh, basically this week, we'd been. Uh, doing two things, Fields Auto Works builds whole um, turnkey chassis packages, right? And that's going really well. We've got uh, the team there has continued to grow. We've, we've had some really good sales success. Uh, 
brought on board uh, our first dealer and working with a couple of them now. Um, so that's been been really good. Um, the other side of uh, the the businesses has been fields engineering, which was kind of a catch-all for all of our motorsport activities, all of our engineering activities. Um, that's where uh, Colton Wade's RGR program has been housed. And um, so one of the things we're doing um, basically effective yesterday, January 1st, uh, we're separating our uh, our motorsports operations from the engineering firm. And okay. so uh, that'll be under uh, Fields Beltwell Autosport or FB Autosport. Uh, you'll see it branded. Um, and websites going live for that, all, all that stuff's coming up. And basically, that'll be our prep shop, our custom build, our trackside support services. Um, yeah. if, it, if it's going to the track um, and it's not a Fields Auto Works product, it probably falls under, under FB Autosport. And then Fields Engineering um, is going to uh, distill its focus down a little bit on um, some of the engineering projects we have that serve major OEs or uh, other industries. Um, you know, we've, we've helped out with some, some aerospace stuff, some medical stuff, and um, so this will give engineering an opportunity to grow beyond just the motorsports industry and also allow our, our motorsports operations to have a, a, a more pure clarity of focus. That's a good idea, branding it, branding it in a little bit more pitchable way if you're outside of just automotive makes a lot of sense. So. Well, and the, you know, not, not to drag our, our, uh, our automotive podcast into other areas, but, um, you know, I, I uh, I've been fortunate to have a lot of um, interest and, and passion outside of this sport that um, has also led to some, some business success. And I, uh, I, I need a vehicle to pursue those things as well. So, uh, can you talk about much of what that stuff is? Uh, some, absolutely. So, uh, my background prior to uh, going full time with with the motorsports stuff, uh, I had a, a an aerospace engineering uh, background and, and a career in that, um, and then uh, from there went into some some aerospace program management and supplier relationship management. Uh, so I've, I've been very fortunate uh, to have a, a master key to a couple thousand aerospace shops around the country at one time. And, and that was really, you know, informative for what I decided I wanted to do when I grew up. And uh, <laughs> if, I ever, if I ever get there, I'll, I'll be sure to <laughs> be sure to do that. But, now, um, yeah, I, I think in terms of field engineering's current projects outside of the automotive industry, um, and I should specify, we do we do some um, research type or development type work um, within automotive that isn't necessarily motorsports. Uh, but outside of that, we do some some custom prototyping uh, type fabrication work and and some engineering consulting. Uh, nothing um, no, nothing like confidential or or no black programs or anything like that at the moment. But uh, all all stuff that we're you know, we're kind of kind of keeping a, a little bit, a um, little bit of discretion on for our customers. 
Yeah, that makes some sense. Your uh, your firm didn't kill all those people people back in India, did they? <laughs> whatever no, that. No, no. The Christmas <laughs> vacation line is. <laughs> God. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. The the, uh, uh, the the first couple of Cardinals are in the hands of their owners now, I believe, aren't they? They are. Um, you guys so, are you guys are building cars, man. That's awesome. I know we're we're. Uh, you know, I, I, sometimes it um, it's hard to remember that, like you know, if if we just if if we just build and deliver all the cars that we've sold, um, we'll be in like the top one third of production volume of all the car manufacturers listed on Wikipedia. Oh, and, really? <laughs> well, it's just you know, it's it's when when we started Fields Auto Works. Um, you know, uh, my my dad was a, a tremendous realist about the challenge we were undertaking, and um, he uh, his his advice to me was something along the lines of, uh, "The landscape is littered with the burning carcasses of small car companies who never made their first model. Don't mm-hmm. you know? Don't get sucked into that. Don't um, don't don't take the approach of trying to." Uh, market something you don't have but rather start with start with the car get something that does everything we say it will do and then go sell that and that served us really well um you know we don't don't have the name recognition or the the branding um to where i think we need it to be to be successful long term but um starting from a place of strength on the performance of our product is is definitely an advantage to get there yeah i mean you're definitely building like a kind of a boutique track car in the Cardinal, but uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're diversifying a little bit uh, with, with your next offering, which I hear is making uh, some strides. What have the, uh, what have the holdups and the hardships and the lessons been in building boutique track cars? Like what, have, what, what, what kind of things have you tripped up on and, and, and what have you learned? Sure. Um, I, uh, I think, um, and this is a double-edged sword, but um, the the number one thing for me has been um, to really rely on the people who um, who know what the hell they're doing and, and have proven it. Right? Um, I uh, I've been very fortunate that uh, at least in in the first uh, the first year or so uh, I've kind of made a point of being the least experienced person in the business uh, at Fields Auto Works. Um, everybody that we brought in or we partnered with or who contributed to the project um, came with, you know, decades of various motorsport experience and, and a background that, um, you know, provided a depth that we could rely on. Um, and so that that is, I mean, you know, involving the right people, bringing in the right experience, um, kept us from hitting so many more pitfalls that, than we frankly should have in, in this process, just, um, you know, getting the development done to where it's at. Uh, the, the, the flip side of that, the, the thing that I, I you know, a, a hard learned lesson was that, um, you know, not everybody is the right person for that, right? There might there might be people who um, you get along with or have great reputations or, um, you know, there, there are people that 
everyone around will point to and kind of go, well, that's the guy for this process or that product or that whatever. And mm -hmm. um, sometimes, sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't pan out. You know, we, uh, we've, we've stepped in that trap a couple of times um, where, you know, maybe the gut feeling was this isn't panning out and everybody goes, well, yeah, but that's the person. You got to go with that person. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't feel like it's working out. And in the end, it, you know, you got to trust your gut on out. some of that stuff. Yeah. 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 Sometimes the smartest people in the room uh, don't translate into things actually happening. <laughs> that's uh I, I wouldn't know. I've never been the smartest person in a room. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you're talking about the, you know, if you got the person for something, sometimes they're, I know. <laughs> they're not always the the one that follows yeah. through. But uh, yeah, that's cool. The cars are getting delivered, and it looks like you're making good progress on uh, on the Scioto. Scioto, Scioto. I can never say it right. Yeah, I did no, drive across the river the other day and texted you. There you go. Yeah, no, it's. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. Um, it's Sayota. Um, it's um, Sayota, Sayota. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, when we picked that name, we kind of fully prepared to be like, all right, well, you know, it's going to get pronounced however the hell people want to pronounce it and just mm -hmm. do it. But that's, it's the name of the river that runs through our town here. Um, yeah. you know, we're, we're kind of Ohio centric with our naming. Um, you know, the Cardinals, the state bird and, uh, the size of the river that runs through town here. Um, we've, uh, we've resisted any temptations to, uh, to call anything a Buckeye. And I think we're going to, we're going to stay off of that for a while, but it's probably not the worst choice. <laughs> but, yeah. That car is so gorgeous on, uh, on paper. How is it? Uh, how is it looking in real life? Where are you guys at? So in real life, it's, it's looking really good. Um, I will, will say, you know, a, another lesson that we learned on the Cardinal was, um, and we didn't necessarily have a choice based on where we were as a company at the time, but a lesson we learned was was kind of showing too immature a product to the world. Um, you know, we didn't necessarily have um, the opportunity to do our testing and our development away from the eyes of the public and some of that. And so um, I think, you know, we... we without necessarily having a choice, we kind of did ourselves a little bit of a disservice letting everybody see, um, you know, the, the rough cut of, of that car. And I always so, kind of felt like the car was very done though, like in, in rough impression, but uh, what kind of changes have you, have you made there? Well, I think, you know, that, that the, on the Cardinal side, it's, it's been getting all of the production bodywork treatment that it's, it's always lacked, right? The flanges, oh, okay. the returns, the back sets, the, um, okay. and for, for, for a lot of really hardcore race racing people, that doesn't, that was never going to be a, a, an, an impact, but for, yeah. for our track day customer, it is. And so on the Scioto, we've, intentionally um kind of withheld a lot of that where you know two three years ago if we're talking about cardinal development stuff yeah it's going to be you know out in front of a couple hundred people at a track day whereas um we we're in the position now where we can we can pull the cover back on a, a more done product when we feel we're ready um nice. but in terms of where that where that is now we've got um you know the first the first car the first set of bodywork the first chassis um, the first couple of drivetrains, um, you know, the, the first one, all of those components are um, partially assembled. But we're not, we're not yet um, 
testing. The uh, the next couple, we've got a bunch of components uh, kind of stacked up, ready to get put together. Um, but we, uh, you know, b based on our our uh, our availability on some track stuff, the weather turning and all that, uh, I think we're we're poised to do some some pretty hefty development on the Scioto here this spring. And, um, you know, I'd, re I'd really like to open the taps and get the first couple of cars in customer hands in a, a short burst in uh, late spring, early summer. Oh, wow. um, so there's some, there's some challenges there that, um, you know, one of the, one of the unique things about that car, the drivetrain selection is all, uh, all up to the customer. Um, yeah. Yeah, you see, you, yeah, I've talked to you about it. Like, cause it's sort of like a bit of a dream car for me at the moment. Like, if I ever have that money, like that would be the first one that I'd go with because <laughs> we're friends. But I also think it's like achingly gorgeous and a throwback to like modern slash also like old Can Am slash streetcar at the same time. I think it's a really good design. But um, that's the cool part about it is like you can put this or that or everything that fits in this box in it, which is very cool. Well, and it's it's wild because when we did the when we came out with the Cardinal, which granted looks like an an old school GT coupe, um, we said you know eighteen hundred pounds, three hundred horsepower, uh, and everybody looked at it and they saw the classic GT coupe styling on it, and then when they heard the six pounds per horsepower, they go, oh that's plenty, that's very affordable, you know that's that's you don't need any more power than that, whatever. Um, right. And so the drivetrain development on Cardinals was very quick and easy because for the most part, everybody just wanted the prepackaged, here's the, the Ford crate motor and the Tremec and off you go. Um, yeah. And it's not stressed. Um, it's all like, it's all built for a car that weighs double. And yeah, it's a, it makes a lot of sense on paper, drivetrain wise, suspension wise. So. And, and we thought we'd have a similar reaction on the Scioto. And instead these guys all, you know, it looks like a supercar, you know, it looks like a prototype. It looks, you know, whatever. And so everybody, you know, oh, you know, it's got to have, you know, Motec and a thousand horsepower and a, se and a sequential box and on and on. And so um, part of the um, the challenge there, we kind of made our bed and are now laying in it was we said we'd put whatever people wanted in it. And it's taking a little time to get the engineering done on the whatever people wanted. Uh, Can so, you give an example of, a, of an oddball that someone wants in it? Um, there's one getting a Murcielago V12. Neat. Oh. And that is uh, a, a controls engineering challenge and a packaging challenge. And um, also it spins the wrong way because originally in the Lamborghini, the transmission's next to the driver. So we're turning it back around the other direction and... It's just, you know, it's it's going to be an amazing car, and that'll probably be the best-sounding Scioto ever made. Uh, but at the same time, like, it's, it, 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 it increases lead times and, and puts a few uh, few extra steps in the process uh, when, we, when we agree to take on something like that in addition to the, you know, the other wild drive trains other people want. So yeah, you can't really just put like a Volkswagen bug trans and flip the diff on it. <laughs> I'd I'd really yeah. like to know the process of sourcing uh, a Lamborghini V12 for such a project. Uh, so our our process process on that one was um, we found a guy who 
Uh, his entire livelihood uh, is breaking down Murcielagos. And, really? Uh, yep. And that guy exists. That, that guy exists. He's, That's he's awesome. Been, well, and what's cool is he's been he's been doing it so long that that people now don't even um, put in an insurance claim. They just call this guy and sell him the car. Oh my gosh! Really? Like he's just been at it that long that when you know when people who are into that you know into the Mercy Lago have you know a problem. You know, either they've bought parts from him before or they've sold him something before or whatever. They just all know, or not not all of them, but some of them know, like, well, yeah. the guy you call. Um, yeah, it's probably a pretty boutique, like, niche, enthusiastic group. You either, like, don't know anything about the car you have or you're so deep into it. And you'd probably know whatever his name is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it was, <laughs> it was kind of funny because um, – we we made all these arrangements. Um, me and one of our team members went um, uh, went up there to get it, and like horrible road trip on the way up, hit all kinds of construction and and detours and whatever. Um, finally get there, um, load up the motor, show him the the wire transfer receipt. He goes, "Yeah, I know. I said that'd be okay, but I'm not really comfortable with you leaving it until I see the funds hit my account." Hmm. And it's like, okay, well, that could be three days. So, <laughs> you know, I hope you, I hope, I hope you have a comfy couch because we're going to be here a minute. And he finally relented, and we we took a long trip back and and whatever. But um, where you know, is that he was, at? I have to know. Uh, Wisconsin. Oh, really? That's not the place I would imagine. Nope. Nope. Now there's a lot of traffic in between you and Wisconsin. Though. I would get that. Well, we uh, we were like, oh, we'll be real smart and go uh, the Michigan side of the lake because it was almost exactly catty corner uh, across the lake from where we are, where we would yeah. get to it. So um, we decided to take the Michigan side. That was a bad decision. We got there, you know, whatever nine hours after we had hoped to get there. Uh, load everything up sit there waiting for eight, nine hours for the funds to clear, which they never did. He just had to go to work. So he let us go. And then um, he let us go just in time for us to try the other route down through Illinois and hit Chicago traffic. So mm-hmm. we just, the worst uh, of all of them, the truly, truly a, a, a patient's, uh, a patient's testing uh, trip, but it was fine. It, you know, at, at some point you just, just kind of go. Yep, we're uh, we're going through it this time, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. so, will that engine get like a full standalone, or will that use Lamborghini controls, or what's the plan for that? Uh, that will be um, a complete Motec system hooked to an Alban sequential box. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> so we, you know, so the first the first three cars are all getting Albans uh, boxes, and. Um, we keep joking that, you know, we're going to have to straight pipe them all or else the only thing you're going to hear is the straight cut gears coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the intention for the the first three cars? Like what are the owners uh, planning to do with them? Um, so two of the three are um, strictly track day DE kind of stuff. They, um, uh, they both run in a, in a crowd where um, they and, and a couple of buddies go, you know, rent out, whatever track on a weekday and go mm-hmm. hang out and screw around and have fun. And, uh, that's kind of it. Um, 
And I think I think one of them is looking at this as a, you know, he's trying to get, you know, his, uh, he, he's looking at it, as, you know, snagging a GT40 out of the Shelby shop on day one kind of thing. He's, he's oh, hoping cool. that yeah. we're successful and, and the, the thing appreciates. And in the meantime, he can have some fun driving around. Yeah. Um, the third one, um, the, um, uh, the customer there, they, uh, you know, they, they want to do some track stuff, but they also, um, I think, I think they have some, um, some aspirations to take this, this thing around to some shows and, you know, I, I, I think, I think there's probably some, um, uh, some some serious collector concord or whatever kind of mentality at play there. So that's kind of cool to hear the varied potential uses of them. It is, it is. Yeah. And then you know, people people can buy them as as rollers and and do the drivetrain installation or have it done and and drive them on the street. But the Scioto is just it's it's hardcore for that. We 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 discourage that pretty heavily on the Scioto. The uh, um. What are the other two cars getting engine-wise? Uh, one is getting an Italian V8 that I don't want to get sued about, and oh boy. one is one is getting uh, an American V8 okay. uh, LS, LS7. So very cool. Yeah, that's no, gonna be good. It, um, I, we, you know, we we originally designed that thing around an Audi supercharged V6, and and I still I think I still think of that as one of the one of the best sort of middle of the road choices for that um that platform um from a packaging perspective from a power perspective from a parts availability and reliability perspective but um everybody everybody wants to go wild with these things and i'm not going to stop them yeah why was that the choice i'm curious why was that uh, that audi engine the choice it was you know it was really that mix of um you know let's get something that's reasonably available um, affordable to go get you have, you would have plenty of aftermarket and tuning support. Um, mm -hmm. it's not real, it's not, not real, um, real complex compared to, um, some of the other, uh, European drivetrain choices. Um, and it would readily bolt up to, um, some of the, uh, more available and, and accessible transaxle choices. Okay. Um, I wondered if it was transaxles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's always, that's always part of it with, with, with the mid engine drivetrain. Um, yeah. but, um, you know, we, I, I really thought of that as, um, philosophically in the same vein as putting the eco boost in the Cardinal. And, um, I think that people just, they, they look at this car in such a different light. Um, you know, the Cardinal is almost, you know, halfway between, um, you know, the nostalgic GT coupe. And for some of our customers, it's kind of just, it's sporting equipment, right? They don't want to put their half million dollar Porsche or whatever on track. And this is, this is just their, their, you know, trusty favorite golf club for the track kind of thing. Yeah. Like um, Tom O'Gorman, Tom O'Gorman even compared it to like a GT three, like it's feels similar in pace and fun and yeah. Well, it's it, you can you can do all that and not have this appreciating half million dollar or quarter million dollar asset. And yeah. if you, yeah. um, you know, like one of, one of our customers who just just signed for a, a V eight Cardinal, 
Um, he had a radical SR3 that um, the fuel cell degraded, and he's been waiting a couple months for parts. And um, his he had a GT3 RS that he, he broke a wheel bearing and, and has been waiting on service for that. And for us, it's like, you know, the fuel cells off the shelf, wheel bearing, you can go get it AutoZone. Like, it just made yeah. so much more sense to him. Um, mm -hmm. at, in in the frame of mind of this is my piece of equipment to go do the hobby I like, mm -hmm. um, which is different from um, you know that we have a, a, you know two customers who bought the car purely on the aesthetics, purely on the nostalgia, and were extremely pleasantly just extremely pleasantly surprised to find out how quick the car was in yeah. addition to that, right? So. Um, very different approaches to why they they bought the car, but uh, both you know both cases or all three cases happy people. So yeah, it's, it seems to fit like kind of a weird a weird niche, in, and and like that niche varies uh, depending on on like where you're looking from. You know, if you're looking from like spec Miata, you're like, oh, that's uh, or like a Miata track day car, you're like, oh, that's like a faster, cooler, easy to live with. Uh, unique, and then if you're looking at it from the complete opposite perspective of like, I'm sick of working on this Porsche. <laughs> like, uh, it, like they might they might actually like fill a, a a similar use, but like from a totally different vantage point. So yeah, we we used to joke, and and I, I you know I, I never never wanted to test this, still don't, but um, we always kind of joked that we were recession proof because in good economic times people would step up into our cars, and in bad economic times they would step down into them um from a from a price standpoint um that, that and, might actually uh, be true especially as you grow <laughs> well i mean but, but but seriously you know it's you know you look at the sciota and go okay you can have one of those with a complete you know motec everything a sequential box a 600 wheel horsepower ls power plant um you know optioned out exactly the way you want and you're going to come in less than your buddy's GT4, like, you know, if you're if you're sick of, you know, throwing fifteen thousand dollar brake jobs at, at a, you know, a tough car or something, and and you still want to stay in the hobby, uh, and not and gain speed rather than giving it up, that's a pretty good way to do it. And I, and I think it's I think it's a sexier car at the end, but that's that's my opinion. Yeah, that's the reason I want one someday. <laughs> So yeah. Abe's still over there thinking about uh, Priuses versus Honda Fits versus Civics versus uh, Audi. Uh, I've got a plugins. I'm I'm quite <laughs> confident everyone that's listening to the show doesn't want to hear me talk about what cars I might buy. <laughs> it has been a re it, it, we did it we did a show last week with that. But um, if uh, if you don't mind getting uh, technical as far as the uprights and like the suspension and all that stuff um on the Toyota. like where are you guys with that like in comparison to the cardinal what does it what does it roll on how does it bounce you know sure um it's uh it actually has a, a number of parts in common with the cardinal um the um both cars are uh pull rod double a arm suspension um so you know formula car style um, we go pull rod because we'd rather have uh, the dampers tucked uh, in and low rather than up high. Um, mm -hmm. Push rod, push rod's great if you're, uh, you know, making damping changes on a regular basis or trying to change the geometry or, you know, keeping your your sway bar, uh, you know, 
just a, a, a blade style or something like that. Um, but for for our purposes, the the lower CG and and um, kind of reduced complexity of the pull rod made sense. Um, yeah, it makes sense. The um, the suspension arms, the hubs. Um, well, I should say the the arms, the the uprights. Uh, the pull rod, the the rockers, all that stuff is is our design and fabrication, but it all uses everything in it that could wear out um, or would need replaced. It all uses off the shelf hardware. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're using uh, Audi hubs and wheel bearings, uh, off the shelf uh, rod ends and um, bushings and shocks and springs and Rob, all that kind of stuff. Um, you mentioned uh, the, the wheel bearing failures uh, a few minutes ago in the show. What, can you talk about the process for specking out a part? Like uh, you said that you use Audi hubs. Why? Like what, what was the process for, for selecting that as a component to use? Yeah. With the Cardinal, you use all Mustang uprights and stuff, correct? Or right. Bearing? So, yeah, and that's that's again a case of it's our upright with their wheel bearing, and yep. and really the you know there's there's a couple of different considerations. Uh, first, first and foremost, we look at um, the forces at play. Uh, what you know, what what job we need that part to do, um, and so that kind of sets our our boundaries on. We need something that is at least able to handle these kind of loads, this kind of service life. Um, and thankfully, because our cars are, are lighter and and, um, and a little bit overbuilt, uh, our options for off-the-shelf components, we can look at uh, major OE, you know, mass market uh, supplied hardware uh, and yeah. usually kind of take our pick. And so uh, in the case of the, uh, the wheel bearings, um, we specifically wanted to design around um, the Bolton cassette style um, rather than something that would be um, pressed in or, or anything like that. Yeah, or um, a spindle, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, and yep. we, yeah, we, we go for the, um, the cassette style, right? You get the, the four-bolt cassette um, and, um, de you know, design our upright around that. The um, the other thing we we do is we want to look at um, for the driven wheels, especially uh, we want to look at the uh, axle, uh, the drive axle interface, and uh, make sure that we're going to be able to pick um, off the shelf components or readily available aftermarket components that um, will interface uh, have the strength that we need for the drivetrain we're looking at. Uh, and that's at that point we can then turn our eyes to are the parts readily available are they um, reasonably affordable stuff like that um, but it, it all starts from um, really looking at the, the the design requirements from you know the loads and the, the performance of the part gotcha yep. and so if you're like if you're looking at OE parts where do you find um, the right kind of data to learn about what um, what a potential service life might be, or or uh, what the what kinds of loads it's able to uh, sustain before it fails, so on and so forth. So a lot of that, thankfully, um, you know, this is this is kind of the the beauty of having the off the shelf stuff is 
uh, a lot of the heavy lifting on that is done way in advance, right? Um, we, we're not certainly not going to repeat um, the millions of dollars of development that a, a major OE has done to arrive at the specific um, component style that they've, they've settled on. Um, this is also an area where drawing on uh, the experience and, and expertise of our team members uh, can help us cut down uh, the number of options that we look at, the style of, of component that we want, um, and kind of, you know, rapidly arrive at, um, you know, well, we know these are, are, you know, this style and this whatever is good when used in these applications or, um, yeah. you know, this is, this is a, a known quantity from that application. And based on that, we can, we can make some, some pretty quick decisions about, um, at least narrowing down to a specific type of, of or style of a certain component. Uh, yeah. And from there, we'll probably go, you know, in, in most cases, we would go um, to the manufacturer specs on, uh, you know, for something like a wheel bearing, right? You can go go take a look at some of the, the expected service intervals and uh, look, at, look at the materials and components used and suss out the, the specific details on, on some of the service life information. Yeah, especially if your car weighs half as much, you're gonna be putting more G-forces through it, but you can probably expect a pretty long life versus, you know, 4,000 pound German sedan or whatever, but, or well, and, Mustang and, or whatever. Right, and, and part of it is also the use case, right? I mean, um, think, of, think of the EcoBoost powered Mustang in a rental car application and all the potholes, the curbs, the yeah. everything else yeah. it's gonna see that um, would be would be quite rare for a cardinal to see, um, yep. and so you know. But at the same time, we're not going to run out and go buy the super fragile, ultra lightweight, zero friction racing bearing. Um, you know, that's going to be 10x the cost and going to have a service life of you know half a season One, in a race car. Yeah, four track days. Uh... I think Zach Lavoy was talking about how in his Ferrari Challenge car they could he could expect to do a hub and wheel bearing I think every event and they were like thirty six hundred dollars and that was just like the cost of doing business when you had a Ferrari Challenge car. So, yeah, no thanks. And like you look yeah. at like even even Miatas and Civics like with OEM equipment and you bolt like Hoosiers on and you go do some track days right like. I can't count on all of my fingers and toes how many times I've seen like wheels fly off of those cars because the hub breaks or like somebody looking for a hub or looking for a bearing or like it's it's happened hundreds of times in the past 20 years. So uh, overbuild that stuff like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And and as we get into, you know, so with the Scioto, we're kind of we're going to cross a threshold into, especially when people start putting, you know, really big sticky tires and big aero package and all that stuff. We are going to cross a threshold where um, we're going to have to start specking some some more um, dedicated, serious racing components for that. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's something that you know as as we sell these cars and have those discussions with prospective customers, um, that's something that we have an obligation to make them aware of, right? And say, look, at some point, 
you know, the things you're talking about adding to this car, the capability you're talking about achieving with this, um, it's going to require X number of, of things this, being yeah, substituted. Motorsports things, yeah. Right. And, and I think the, um, you know, the, the threshold for that, you know, on the one hand, it's cool that you can get that car to that performance level so quickly, right? But on, on the other hand, um, the the commensurate costs rise tremendously. And um, at, at some point, uh, you know, we have to we have to make sure that we stay a little bit true to our original vision on um, something that's attainable and accessible to the majority of motorsports enthusiasts. Yeah. What uh, what are your goals long term for for both of these cars? Like, what is what's the ten year goal? Like, if you're doing this stuff in a decade, where do you want to be? Um, I think I think there are some good examples in the market of other boutique sports car and motorsport um, motorsport chassis manufacturers. Um, you know, realistically, we looked around. Um, you know the the thing that eventually became Fields Auto Works. We were looking around in in 2015, 2016, and kind of going, man, you know, so many of the the dedicated racing um, chassis manufacturers and and um, and suppliers, they they either had to branch into the much more uh, the the broader pool of club racing, track days, general street performance stuff, or they didn't survive. Um, you know, names like like Lola, um, that just, you know, there there wasn't a um, there wasn't a market for for what they were selling at some point at the top yeah, they, tier of motorsport. They they didn't sell a lot. What they sold was cool usually. But. Right. And so um, but in comparison, you know, in in the the seventies and eighties, like my dad was part of a Lola dealer, like they did volume to the point that they had dealers, right? Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so um, so if you think about that in comparison to where we are today, where we are today, there are people who are dealers for other boutique sports car manufacturers, right? But it's very rare that you have. Um, someone who who only makes competition vehicles right mm -hmm. um and so what we're looking at is you know as the piece of technology that you get in to commute to work and back and and use in daily life diverges from the thing that you take to a track to enjoy we want to be one of the premier providers for the hobby side of the thing that people are, are going to want to buy to go enjoy their hobby um, and so, you know, we look at Porsche, BMW, Chevrolet, uh, Ford, who are trying to split the middle. And mm -hmm. ultimately, their, their real volume, their real market is the commuter side. It's the, it's yeah, they, the they're using the a few halo a few halo cars to sell a bunch of SUVs. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, yeah. and so they're beholden to the costs of the technologies that they develop for that. They have to amortize all of the production rigs and, and factories that they've built to do that stuff. And, and it 
constrains them from building yeah. something that's a pure analog machine like like we're doing. And so um, that's really the vision over over the next you know five ten years is um, at a couple of different levels you know sort of serving different levels of of the hobby with these different models. We want to be one of the premier providers for the hobby and the the enthusiast side of this market. Yeah, I want to see it do it for a while and uh, and become that because I think both cars like they're like I really think they are just so cool. Like I've seen <laughs> I've seen the Cardinals in in person a bunch and like seen them go around the racetrack a bunch and I think that's rad. Um, and they they really do kind of fit this this cool niche. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pluses and not a lot of minuses to that car, and I feel like the uh, the Seota is like on, on the other side of it, uh, but also like in the same vein. I just I, I love the philosophy philosophy behind like the design and and the goals of them. So especially as this this hobby like the automotive hobby, like it's you look at every track being built like besides ozarks which was like built like with oh man i got a bunch of money i'm going to build this track everything is going like the equestrian model where it's like oh i gotta sell a bunch of condos and pay for my racetrack um like this stuff this kind of car is like it's it's the hobby horse it's gonna be like yeah. the horse in the stable that's you know oh on tuesdays i go drive my cardinal so no exactly yeah. and and, yeah. and it's that's what it's made for right i mean that's the whole point is you know, we, we want this to be your favorite golf club, but for the racetrack, right? Yeah, that's for um, so that's, that's where that's at. And then, uh, you know, the other side of, of our, our motorsports um, journey right now, we've, we've got Dustin Barty that we've hired to do, uh, to basically lead our, our um, FB Autosport group and um a whole bunch, whole bunch of really cool projects in the works over there. Some of it's, some of it's grid life related, and and you know you guys have, have seen and and talked about a lot of that. But um, we do have some some other stuff that's just you know general track day or street performance stuff that um, you know it's it's exciting to be um, you know pushing some some technological boundaries. That's something I, I frankly really kind of miss from from my aerospace work. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to be back in a little bit of that role. Um, we've got some, some controls, controls packages around, um, some dual clutch swaps and some, some engine swaps that we're working on and, um, some, some data systems starting to get into real, you know, um, sensor arrays for, tire performance and and chassis performance and trying to bring that into a, a, a more plug and play uh, and accessible level for, for club racing. So um, I think those things are all really, really exciting, but also um, they're fulfilling for, for me to keep trying to push some boundaries. Yeah, that's awesome. Dave, what you got? How many how many questions do you want to bombard Rob with as we end his lunch? So I feel like I've been talking too much. You've been talking <laughs> the exact right amount. Um, so we've spent quite a lot a lot of time talking about Fields Auto Works, but uh, you did just highlight or announce uh, this new venture 
what haven't we discussed already that you think uh, the Slip Angle listeners might want to know? Well, I, I would say the, the number one thing um, that, that they'd want to know and that I would want them to know is that uh, we're taking on uh, more arrive and drive customers, more support uh, contracts. Um, we really want to uh, be a presence in the grid life paddock and other paddocks as uh, you know, a group of people that you can, you can kind of join forces with us, count on us to be a logistics partner, a hospitality partner, um, a service partner, and really in, enhance and, and um, improve people's experience of going to events and, and being at the track. You know, um, we've we've hit on it a couple times on on the podcast about you know the cost of of an arrive and drive program or or some hybrid version of an arrive and drive versus the cost of having your own equipment and you're doing your own logistics and, and all of that. And um, as we look at some of the, the high profile events for this year and, and some of the logistics involved and all that, I, I think, um, you know, for people who uh, are, are willing to take the jump and, you know, kind of put, put some, some faith in, in our expertise and our experience and and hope to get a little bit better, maybe a little bit better result, maybe a little more enjoyment out of the events. Um, you know, we're here for that. We have, we have capacity, we have uh, openings to do that. And that's something that, you know, uh, a year ago, um, we were a lot, lot less, um, you know, we, we didn't encourage that quite so much because we, we were still building capacity and, um, you know, kind of trying to trying to pick our our spot on that, and now I think we've we've arrived at a point where we we have the infrastructure, we have the people, um, and uh, I think we're we're ready to start being more of that um, face of trackside support in the paddock. Interesting. Well, as as you kind of um, grow into the arrive and drive, I know that you have some pretty large equipment that's that's capable of moving vehicles around. Um, you know, if there are drivers in the paddock that are interested to go to, let's say, some of those more faraway events this year, should they reach out to you for just like potentially even logistics help? Um, potentially, I, I will say we have um, we, we kind of have a mandate to prioritize uh, the people who are going to want to use our services. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'm I'm in I'm never going to gonna say you know hey i'm gonna hold this spot open in the hope that somebody else takes it um but uh we do already have some some folks who have reached out about um you know partnering up and and doing that um that said i i would definitely encourage people to to reach out and if it if it suddenly makes sense for us to take two tracks or um you know if it, if it makes sense for us to um, to ship one thing and, and carry another, we'll, we'll, we'll always be flexible. We know that it's a dynamic environment and, um, yeah. people, people are going to, people are going to drop out. People are going to join. I mean, it, it's, you guys know better than anybody that it, it's, uh, it's, it's never set until it, it actually happens. Right. Yeah. So. You, you almost don't know who's coming until the green flag flies sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah, I was spending a little time thinking even yesterday about, uh, how the schedule is going to work out this year. I, Adam, I believe 
that we're going um, from Mid-Ohio. Uh, it's like a 10-day break, and then we're straight at Lime Rock. I can imagine yep. that there's going to be people that would be interested in trying to figure out how to move cars and stuff and, and whatever. So uh, I imagine that there's plenty of people that will want all the help they can get. My, my hope this year even is to like find a place in Ohio to like leave my rig with the dyno behind it. <laughs> just so I don't have to do the extra 12 cumulative hours behind the wheel, you know, but uh, uh, we, yeah. we, we can probably help with that specific request. Yeah. Um, moving, moving things around is a thing though. Like it's uh, you want to fill that truck. And if you have, uh, if you have enough call for people to put things in trucks, like somebody's got to pay for the fuel bills. So. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, I think our approach on that is, you know, of course, priority one is get yourself, get the car out there, right? But, um, you know, we 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 are trying to take an, a, an approach here of, you know, if, if we take all the time and all the effort and all the expense to go out there and, um, you know, you pop an engine or you, something else like that happens, um for for our long-term you know season-long support customers um we we kind of have uh, a requirement to to make sure that we have everything with us to you know salvage that to make sure that their their investment in everything else to get there isn't mm -hmm. wasted and yeah. Yeah. you know i think that's that's the um that's that's a level of of commitment um, in terms of spares and time and, and other, you know, other logistical items that not everybody is going to be prepared to make. But if, if somebody's on the fence about that, or they, they see the value in that and we can provide that for them, um, that's a, that's a spot that, that, you know, we can kind of hit, uh, we're, we're not uniquely positioned, but we're well positioned to help someone in that situation. Yeah, the the uh, the last thing I want to ask about is how is the potential Sunday Cup build going? How is that thing? That thing's great. Um, we uh, <laughs> uh, it it uh, it was making um, some uh, some laps of the neighborhood when uh, a certain uh, Mister Tipple arrived. Uh, oh boy. It, it truly like the one day we got the car out and he, you know, sure enough, I'm, I'm standing out there watching it go around the neighborhood and, uh, <laughs> he pulled, pulled up and put it in it. I says, Oh, are you waiting for the mail out here or what? <laughs> you know, and, yeah, just uh, coming to spy on his, uh, on his future competitors. Right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, no, and, yeah. you know, I think we, from, from the jump, that, that car has been focused on the enduro side, right? We've been focused mm -hmm. on Supergrid, on Sunday Club. Um, and so, uh, obviously, with um, some of the rules updates and, and some of that stuff that, that has some impact on us, but uh, our, our number one goal was uh, to come out with something that was going to be reliable, that was going to be fun, that people would want to have a seat in. Um, for the Supergrid uh, events because it was going to be a, a good time and a good way to participate um, and a, a fairly low barrier to entry um, in comparison to maybe some of the other things that we do. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in terms of in terms of achieving those goals, I think that we're we're right on track. 
um, we'll, we'll never not be competitive people, right? We want to win. We want to do well. But uh, at the same time, um, it's not it's not the only goal for that chassis. So um, I think that chassis has got pretty good potential to to do well in Sunday Cup too in Time Attack. Um, and there, it's also pretty unique in that world. Like it's you know a modern mini is they're kind of pretty too. Like it's very cool. So, well, it's yeah. it's a it's a silly little car. Um, it's you know that that uh, that coupe body style. Uh, they only made it for a little bit, and it it kind of got a little bit of a cult following. I was um, I, when I first went looking for a car. So it, you know, just to kind of both both the story a little bit. The um, the Supergrid announcement came out, no mm-hmm. rules yet, and I um, immediately started shopping for a car. Uh, got on a plane to Nashville, bought a car, um, effectively sight unseen until I got there, um, drove it back from Nashville. Um, we put a clutch in it. We put coilovers on it. We did a couple other things. Pete drove it to Pikes Peak. It raced or it, it did time attack at Pikes Peak and then drove back. And then the rules were released for, for Super Grid. I mean, it was so, basically always going to be cage Sunday Cup rules. I told you. Oh that. yeah, no. I mean, we were we weren't we weren't you know we weren't taking some big risk, but like no. the you know our our level of excitement for that was high enough that that's that was how that went down from our you know so. from our point of view. Well, um, hopefully, hopefully, we have four really busy, fun events this year with Supergrid. So. Oh, absolutely, and we'll and and that car will be available for so like it's it's already got um, three HPDE events that the seats rented out for, um, cool. like you know that that car will will, will be a really good um, platform yeah. for all kinds of stuff. But uh, I think for for Sunday Cup specifically, um, you know I think with the 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 right combination of of you know, some setup and the right driver, the right, the right place, the right time. I think it has, it has every opportunity to be uh, at the front, but uh, at the same time, I don't think that it's going to be, you know, it's a whole different thing when you have one driver, one car, the whole season. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and in, in that case, you know, that's kind of like, you know, us with, with Colton, right. He he has faster a, and faster and faster. Yep. Exactly, and he's got a very clear goal, clear purpose for the time we're spending, the parts that are going on the car. I mean, all of it is 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 pulling in one direction, um, yep. and um, I think that you know if 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 somebody walks through our door and said, "Hey, uh, that mini coupe you got, I want to go be you know competitive in in Sunday Cup." And then I'm going to, you know, rent the whole whole season in that car and whatever. That'd be a whole different whole different situation. But the reality is, it's pulling a lot of different um, a lot of different jobs right away. Um, yeah. And it's got to be from from the, from the get go. We wanted it to be a good endurance car, and and that's where its focus is. Yeah, it, it's it's also pretty tough to win a class that. You know, the people that win that class have been in that class for years and they're, 
in the same car and they're developing, you know, all their preferences and setup. And it just takes a while. It takes a while to win things. So, oh, yeah, um, absolutely. But, yeah. I, th- I think it's a super unique choice. When I saw Pete pull into PPIR with it, I was like, man, that is so wild. <laughs> like, I think it was the only, only like the second or third one of those coupes that I've ever seen. So, like, they're pretty it's, rare. But. It, they are. And it's, I don't I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I drove it a whole bunch before we um, before we tore into it, and you know, just just a, just a fun little you know runabout go kart thing. I think it's it's philosophically it's the opposite of the fit. You cannot fit anything into that car, but it's fun and it's silly and and it looks kind of neat. So yeah, pretty wild. Anyway. Well, uh, should we let him get back to his lunch, Abe? It sounds like it's probably time to go back to work. Um, now that you've got kind of multiple endeavors, uh, can you share with us where people will uh, venture out to find each of those respective organizations? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for Fields Auto Works, uh, fieldsautoworks.com and our Facebook and Instagram pages are, are all under Fields Auto Works. Um, the existing fields engineering um, social media accounts uh, will get converted over um, to Fields Beltwell Autosport, and uh, we'll, we've got a, a website getting ready to launch um, for that, uh, which will be uh, fieldsbeltwell.com. I'm trying to get uh, FB Autosport as well um, for for URL, um, but you'll see the the social media changeover. Um, and then in, um, in the event that somebody listening might um, have something that's a, a, a hardcore engineering project that, that maybe is outside of motorsport, um, fields engineering, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, some point here in the near future put up a site for that and, and, um, and put up some new social media for that. But uh, in the meantime, any, anything like that, just, you know, direct contact for, for me or, or maybe for Dustin. Um, and then finally, the um, last thing that I think is, is worth mentioning is um, anybody who's looking at um, any kind of a, a DCT swap or has any interest in that, we're getting ready to do um, some some pre-order, you know, discounted uh, type activity on, on that. So um, particularly um, LS engines, BMW, V8s and V10s, um, Coyote or EcoBoost motors. Um, we're looking for people who who might have an interest in in seeing those kind of powertrains paired up with uh, inline or transaxle dual clutch uh, transmissions, and uh, you know, looking looking for different applications for that. So interesting. I'm very it's, intrigued. That's a lot of different stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're we we do have a, a lot of irons in the fire, but yeah, um, man. Thankfully, we uh, we're, we're keeping keeping a pretty hot fire going here. So yeah, I, I think I think we need to find a whole crew of listeners to to rent that little uh, mini for a couple of super grids and come hang out with us and have a good old time. So I, I think that that might be one of the best ways to experience a grid life event. I really do. That's yeah, that sounds super fun. We've got uh, we got four of them. We got Midwest Rev Up a couple weeks before. Uh, Midwest Festival at uh, Gingerman, NJMP, Heartland, and Autobahn. So, yeah, not uh, you know, kind of all over the place, but endurance racing at, at Heartland will be cool. 
Dude, Harlan's got the greatest pit lane too. It's gonna be super cool. It's gonna be fun. Well, we'll we'll um, we'll crack out the um, you know the big timing stand with the awning and all the other stuff, and um, you know have some some in car video and data you know to watch on pit lane, and um, that'll be a, I think a, a good way to do the endurance side without getting too nutty on the um, on the tech side, so um, or too expensive. I mean. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think we have any aspiration to try and give this the the same treatment that some of the top teams in in uh, you know like a WRL or something do. Uh, but we do, we do still want to provide a, an experience that's uh, mm-hmm. of, a, of a higher quality. So, well, guys, I yeah. think that's a show. Well, yeah, man. I hope your lunch. Uh... I hope you ate some food, but I don't think you did. So <laughs> it, uh, it was, get back it was to work, cold man. before we started. So <laughs> yeah, get back right. to work. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, we, thanks, we guys. Appreciate your time, I appreciate buddy. it. Yep. All right. See ya. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pit City Grid Live to say hello. Hello.